doing something that I thought I would never do, and that was lead a church plant. I don't know if I've shared this with some of you, but I used to read church planting literature for the same reason that other people read or watched horror films. (laughs) Just for the sheer sort of fascination, I couldn't pull my eyes away. I was both scared and drawn in at the same time. And I could have never guessed how joyful it would be for actually the Lord to plant a church and for me to get caught up in it and to be part of it, but not pushing it or directing it. And what I saw in that time was the Lord provide this space for us as a church to worship in, uh, in a season of prayer and fasting where there was no space to meet in, where we were getting turned down all over, all over this neighborhood, or we were finding spaces that wouldn't quite work, and the Lord let us here. And um, those are some amazing days, hard days, beautiful days. And I want to introduce to you someone who's right in the middle of that, Trevor McMacken, um, who is here with us. He's a church planter in our network, what we as Anglicans call a diocese. He's planting a church in downtown Aurora, which is the second largest city um, in Illinois, uh, the city of lights. And um, Trevor is um, leading a launch team now. They're, in two weeks, they're having a preview service. Maybe some of you remember being part of a preview service, maybe going to a preview service member. Um, and so, so as, you, as you hear from Trevor, who's going to bring the word of God to us from Acts 2, uh, I want you to open your hearts to pray for the Aurora Church plant, this Anglican church that's getting started, is getting started in Aurora, this outpost of hope um, with an open door uh, in, in, uh, in a city about an hour away from here. Um, so we are a sister church, this church plant. We're, we are eager to support them, to love them, and we're eager to hear from Trevor Um, Trevor, let me pray for you and your church as you bring the Word of God to us. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would anoint uh, the Word of God uh, through your servant Trevor. And we ask also, Lord, that you, by the Holy Spirit, uh, would would create a new family in Aurora uh, that would be a witness to the kingdom of God, that it's here, that it's coming, that your will uh, will be done in Aurora as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Aaron. It's good to be back. I was here last summer, and I was trying to remember exactly when I was here. And I remember I took an Instagram of being here, so I looked at it, but it just said 42 weeks ago. And I was not up for that math. So it was sometime last year. Um, You know, sometimes when I'm at parties, I will ask everyone there a question just to kind of hear their response. And sometimes I try to guess what their response will be. So, like, one of my questions is, what was your family's Christmas movie? Like, were you a It's a Wonderful Life family? Were you a a Christmas Story family? And I'll try to guess who it is. Like, if I had to guess, I'd say, Dan, where are you, Dan? I'd say that you're a It's a Wonderful Life family. Because I think I've heard you do a Jimmy Stewart impersonation. (laughs) So that'd be my guess. Um, And and the other question I ask is, you know, everyone loves Julie Andrews, right? Uh, Mary Poppins, Sound of Music. So are you a Mary or are you a Maria? And I'll try to guess. Or if you're a guy, would you rather go on a date with Mary or Maria? <laughs> and I won't try to guess that one for you, Dan. Um, but um, so I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, uh, This American Life, and it was an older episode. In case you want to check it out, 178. And this guy on there, John Hodgman, uh, Hodgman was asking uh, his favorite party question, which is this. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Would it be flight or invisibility? Is know what you pick? 
Here's, here's how he sets it up. He says, um, flight versus invisibility, this question is only for you. Whichever one you pick, you will be the only person in the world to have that superpower, and you can't have them both. So what do you choose? And then he goes around, and he records different people answering the question. So one guy goes, well, I choose flight. So then he says, well, how would you use that power? He says, well, I'd fly to the bar, check out what's happening, and fly home. <laughs> he asks a lady, like, what would you choose? And she's like, invisibility. Well, how would you use that power? Well, I'd go to my favorite department store, and I'd put on five of the most expensive, beautiful sweaters in the changing room, and then I'd turn invisible, and I'd walk out. And he said that was pretty typical. Most people would use flight to not have to take the bus or use invisibility to sneak into a movie. He said what doesn't come up is people using their superpowers to fight crime, which is, of course, what we think about when we think about superpowers. We think about superheroes. But they would all say, well, am I bulletproof? Well, then, I think that would be too dangerous. And they would just want to use their superpowers to make things a little bit more convenient, a little bit safer, a little bit uh, happier life. What would you use your power for? That's the question he asked. And this morning, we read in Acts 2 about the power of the Holy Spirit coming to the church, coming to empower the church. And we see what they use the power of the Holy Spirit for. And maybe you're here this morning, and there's something in your life, there's a challenge that you can't quite get, get through. And you need a little, a little extra power to overcome that. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're curious about Christianity, you're interested, and you want to know, is this power of the Holy Spirit, what is it? And is it for real? Maybe you've been a Christian for a little while or a long while, and, and you think you've got some experience with the power of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't always make sense, and sometimes it seems like it's there, and sometimes it doesn't. Maybe you, you want to use the power of the Holy Spirit to do something good in this world, to love a neighbor or love a city, and sometimes it feels like the Spirit shows up, and sometimes it doesn't. Maybe you feel like you're not spiritual enough to have any power. Like, that's for certain people, maybe like the disciples in this passage, and that's it, but it's not for you. This passage teaches us that the power of the Holy Spirit is here. It's a rushing wind that's ready to move us out to love people the way Jesus loved people. And it's a fire that's ready to burn in our heart a passion for the things that God is passionate for. But it's not just a general power. It's not just to make our lives a little bit safer, a little bit more comfortable, a little bit happier. No, this is power that has a specific purpose. And we see that purpose at the very beginning of the book of Acts, a passage you read last week. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. What's the power for? To be my witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a job. He has a focus. He has a mission. He has something that he's trying to accomplish. It's not a generic power. It's a power with a purpose, and the purpose is to tell people about Jesus, about Jesus' death and resurrection, about how that impacts our lives and our communities, and it impacts everything. In the language of this passage, the Holy Spirit comes to empower the church to witness to God's work. And I want to see that as we read through Acts 2 today. Um, but before we look at the scripture, let's pray together and let's ask the Holy Spirit to be with us. God, this is your word. 
This is your teaching uh, to us on the Holy Spirit. We just pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would give us understanding of what our purpose is and how the Holy Spirit comes to empower us to witness to your work. Amen. So we just read this passage. Uh, The story is a pretty amazing one. The disciples, they're all together they're hanging out, and it's more than just what you would think of as the, you know, the 12 disciples. It says earlier in uh, chapter 1 that they're there with, uh, with uh, Jesus' brothers, with Jesus' mother, with other men and women. So it's a large group, all sorts of different people. And Jesus has just told them, remember, that, that when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses. But at the moment that we find them at the beginning of chapter 2, they're not witnessing to anything. They had just experienced Jesus dying before them on the cross and then being raised again, being with them for days, and then floating and ascending into heaven. And they're in a room huddled together, and they're not telling anyone about it. Do you ever feel like you don't have what it takes to be a witness? Neither did they. They weren't witnessing to anything. But when the Holy Spirit comes, what does the Holy Spirit do? It immediately sends them out. The wind sends them out. It blows them out into the streets. And what happens? Everyone hears this in their own language. A miracle happens. Once they start to tell about Jesus, they can't speak all these languages, but that's when the power of the Holy Spirit shows up. Because what's the Holy Spirit's power for? It's to make us witnesses, to help us witness to the resurrection. And then they're all preaching at this point. It's not just the 12 disciples. It's Imagine every single person who is in that room now preaching. Men, women, young, old, everybody. Everybody's preaching out in the streets. Then finally Peter kind of steps up to give them maybe the, the plenary address, as it were. But listen to what everyone says even before that. Uh, verse 11, right there in Acts 2. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. That's what he's witnessing to the mighty works of God. And later, Peter's entire sermon is to unpack what is this mighty thing that God has done? What what are the mighty works of God? And he says later in verse 32 of of this this same message, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. They're witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus. That's what they have to share. That's what they have to speak of. That's what they have to live. We witness to the resurrection, we witness to the mighty works of God by witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus, that that it happened, that it's true, that it's real, but not just that it happened in the past, because the good news of Jesus is that he's alive, he's still alive, he's alive now, he's alive today, and because he's alive, his resurrection has an impact on us now, an impact on us today. We can live in that same power of the resurrection. The power that brought a man from death to life can now bring resurrection in all of our lives. We don't witness to a historical fact. We witness to a present and eternal reality that we experience in our own lives as Christians. And, and Peter, Peter does this. He, he, he talks about the, the resurrection as, as something that happened, but then he talks about it as something that's happening now. This is in verse 40. Uh, Sorry, this is in verse 33. 
being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So right now, what's happening right now, everyone hearing in your own language, this is the result of the resurrection. He takes the present thing, the, the thing that's happening right now, and saying, this power in our lives, this, this miracle that's happening, this is the resurrection. It's not just a historical fact, it's a present reality. The Holy Spirit in our lives now is the, the power of the resurrection now. And not only is it an individual reality of the resurrection just in my life, but it's a reality of a resurrection community. At the end of this passage, I think you'll read this next week, the end of Acts 2, the result of, of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the birth of the church. And Acts 2.42 describes that. The fellowship of the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to breaking bread and prayers. They have everything in common. They take care of each other's needs. They work justice for orphan and widow. They, they love one another and care for one another. This is the resurrection in community. It's a reality in the past. It's a reality in our lives now. And it's a reality in the community of the church. The church is actually empowered to live the resurrection today. That's what it means to witness to the work of God. Yes, we're telling, but we're also living. Here's what the Spirit's doing right now. See, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to be on the same mission that God is on. God is on a mission to bring the entire creation and to bring every person back into his life. That when we walked away, he came to us in the person of Jesus. God is not a God who stands far off, but he's, he's the one who is cosmic yet comes close. He so loves us. and I mean, look at, look at the gospel in this passage. They're speaking to Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Elam. These are the people that God loves. He loves everyone. He wants everyone to come back into that close relationship with him. That is why Jesus died, so that he could cross the gulf that we put between ourselves and God. This is the heart of God. This is what God is about in the world. He wants all people to come back to him. He, he stoops into the cracks of our humanity to raise us up into his divinity, to make us a part of his life again. That's what he's about. That's why he, he used his power to bring the resurrection. And that's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So that his people could tell everyone who is still far off from God that there is a way back. That there is a way back to God. That is the mission of God. That is the mission of the Holy Spirit. And when we join the Holy Spirit on that mission, that's when he fills us with power. Because that's where the Lord's heart is. And he doesn't care who we are, where we're from, what language we speak. Later on in Peter's sermon, he says God wants to pour out his spirit on all your sons and daughters. Young and old. Because he wants every single person to know his love. And so the Holy Spirit invites us to join him on the mission of God. To be, to be 
sent out by his wind to be filled with the fire of God's passion for everyone who is far from him, everyone who is lost in darkness. The Holy Spirit it invites us into that. And we can follow him. We can follow him into that harvest. We can follow him into our neighborhoods and into these relationships. And when we do, the Holy Spirit will give us everything we need. When we take that first step to follow, he will meet us with power. He will meet us with signs and wonders. You guys are going to spend the whole summer reading about the power of the Holy Spirit seen in the church. And that same power is here today. And the Holy Spirit's just waiting for us to join him. To join him in, 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 in loving our neighbors with the power and love of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. We can join him on that mission. We can be blown by the wind of the Spirit. We can, we can feel our, the fire of the Spirit. Why, why is it that sometimes as Christians we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I think sometimes it's because we're not joining him on his mission. Because the power of the Holy Spirit has a purpose. To reach every single person who's far from God. To show them God's love. I, I go on walks with my kids and my wife. Uh, I've got two kids. Um, Nora is six. My son Finn is four. And we'll walk around our neighborhood. And almost every walk, there is an argument between the kids on who gets to lead. And one of them is running ahead, and, and they're saying, it's my turn to lead, it's my turn to lead. No, it's mine. And it turns into a race, and it turns into someone falling and skinning a knee. And then sometimes the kids will fight over who gets to take the scooter, because they know if they've got the scooter, they're in the lead. They can't, you can't keep up with them. And that just to me, as I was reading this passage, is a picture of how we often are with the Lord, is we, we run out front. We run out front on what the Holy Spirit wants to do instead of waiting for where he's blowing. Instead of waiting and praying for his heart, his fire, his passion. That we'll run out in front. With, sometimes with uh, bad intentions of, I want to go my own way and I just want to do my own thing and I'm not interested in your mission. And sometimes with the best of intentions, if I, I am all in on your mission, and I think I'm going to do it myself. But we can follow the Holy Spirit in his mission. We can wait on him. We can be filled by him and sent by him. When we find the heart of Jesus, we will find the power of the resurrection. We can pray for the heart of Jesus. And we can pray for people who've never experienced the resurrection. That's where Jesus' heart is. We can follow him there. So how, how do we witness to God's work? How do we witness to God's work in the world? How do we tell the story of Jesus' resurrection? Have, have you tried telling this story before? Do you tell it to yourself? Can you go through the story of what it means that we were far from God and that he sent Jesus to bring us back to him? There's a, a million ways to tell that story. Do you practice telling it to yourselves? It could be that um, this morning you've never committed yourselves to that story. That you've never accepted that the resurrection is something real that happened. And that Jesus is actually present and alive today. It could be that that's a new story to you. It could be that today the Lord and the Holy Spirit, because of their love for you, 
are inviting you into that story for the first time, you can, you can believe that story. It's true. And the resurrection can come to you today and fill you. It could be that you need to accept that story on a deeper level than you ever have before. And invite the resurrection of Jesus in. How has the resurrection changed your life? If someone asks you, what does it matter that you follow the resurrection, that you believe Jesus, what would you tell them? How would you articulate? What, what difference has the resurrection made in your life? Can you point to something? It's a hard question. I asked myself that question this week as I was praying through this passage, and it's not an easy question to answer, is it? For some of us it is. I have friends who would tell you, because of the resurrection of Jesus, um, we're not divorced. We would have been. I have a friend I was talking to yesterday who told me, if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus, I would still be addicted to drugs, and I would still be selling drugs. Those are dramatic stories. I have a friend I, I talked to yesterday who said, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be... I would be an angrier person and I would yell at my kids more. How has the resurrection of Jesus changed your life? I know how it's changed mine. I know that if it were not for the resurrection of Jesus, that my personal ambition, that my drive to to do things well and to be thought of well would have trashed my relationship. I would be the guy who doesn't come home from work on time, who isn't present with the kids because all of my identity is wrapped up in what I do in the world. That's who I would be if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus. How has the resurrection changed who you are? might be that you need to go home and pray through that question and ask the Lord to show you. Because when we... When we can see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can do what Peter did. See what's happening right now. See this Pentecost Day miracle that's happening. That's the resurrection of Jesus. See how my life's different? That's the Holy Spirit right now. That's the resurrection right now. And it can be little things. It can be really little things. I I was talking to my neighbor. I've been praying for my neighbor. He um, is far from God. He doesn't go to church. And I was telling him one day just that, you know, when things are hard, I pray and I feel like the Lord is with me. His, um, his wife had just gone to the hospital with some health issues. So I said, can I, can I pray for you and can I pray for your wife? He said, yeah. And he went home and a couple of weeks ago, his wife went to the hospital again. And this time he came running over to my house and he said, she's back in the hospital when you prayed last time it worked, will you pray again? And we got to pray right there together this time. My daughter came over and we all held hands in our backyard and we prayed. Is that, that was what was going on right now. It's like the Holy Spirit is in our lives. He's working and we can, we can tell people, look, this is the resurrection. It's real. It's happening. Who would you be if not for the resurrection of Jesus? You know, I think sometimes um, it's hard for us to experience 
the grace, the power, the resurrection of the Spirit in our lives because we think that the power is up to us. We think that we're the ones who have to have the power. With the best of intentions, we want to see God's kingdom come, and we think that we have to do it ourselves. If you've been a Christian for a while, you you realize maybe that you came to Christ through faith and by grace, and it had nothing to do with your own work. But now that you're here, now it's up to you. Salvation was grace, but sanctification is through work. We've got to do it ourselves, and when we're trying to do it ourselves, when we're trying to save ourselves, it's hard for God to save us. Maybe you can't see God's saving work in your life because you're trying to save yourselves. Maybe you can't see his saving work in your friend or your family members or your neighbor's lives because you are trying to do it all yourself. And this passage says (laughs) we can't save ourselves. We can't even witness to God saving ourselves without the Holy Spirit's power. It is his work. It is his work that allows us to witness to what he's doing in our lives and in other people's lives. You might have to lay down the burden of trying to do it on your own strength. See, we can ask for the Holy Spirit to work his resurrection in our lives, in our church, in our neighborhoods. That is a prayer the Lord loves to answer. We can ask for his heart for others. That is a prayer that he is quick to answer. That's where he is. He wants us there already. When we ask, He will give Himself to us. He will pour out His Spirit on us. When we ask, we admit, we don't have the power in ourselves to work resurrection. We don't have mighty works. But when we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit, we say, we need you, Lord. We need you in our lives. We can come to the Holy Spirit with that, um, that confession, that confession of need, and He will answer. It may be that, that this morning when we make a confession here in a few minutes, that you need to confess that you've been trying to do it on your own. It could be that you've been actively walking away from the Lord and His mission, or that you've wandered away and you didn't know when it happened, a, a drift happened but that you want to realign yourself to the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. It may be that that has involved sin that you need to confess, that you have stifled the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because you've been living ways that are contrary to the love and the resurrection of Jesus. That you need to confess that so the Lord can show you His grace and show you His power in your life. When we ask for the heart of Jesus... When we follow the Holy Spirit's lead, it makes God so happy. It fills Him with joy to invite us into His work and to partner with us and to fill us with His power. I've, this has been something the Lord's been teaching me. It's a new growth area in my life. I'm not the type of person that considers myself, you know, an evangelist or a witness or... I'm not the kind of person that's good at talking to strangers or, or great at initiating conversations with neighbors. I'm, I'm like the disciples that are huddled in the house before the Spirit comes waiting. 
But every little limping step I take to follow the Holy Spirit, I just see him, him blessing, not because of anything I've done, but because that's where he is and that's where his heart is. And we've been seeing that in our little church plant too. As we pray, Lord, give us your heart for people. Show us people that we can be in relationship and we can love. There's one young woman in our team, and we started praying about this, and, and she said, well, I don't even know anyone who's far from God. I work at this Christian organization. My friends are Christians. I don't even know people who are unchurched. That was one month. The next month when we talked about it, the Lord had led her to transition her job. And now she was working, nannying for a family in their home, and she's like, they're not in the church. God just answered that prayer. That is God's favorite prayer to answer. To put people into your life who he wants you to love. Will you pray for that? Will you ask the Lord to give him the fire of the Holy Spirit to to bind your heart to God's heart? Will you pray for the Lord to give you the wind of the Holy Spirit to move you to where you can love others for Jesus. We can pray for that, and the Lord will answer that. The Lord delights to fill us, to empower us as his people. The disciples walk out of that room. The Holy Spirit shows up in power. Thousands of people are added to the church. Many churches are sent out and planted. We're all here today because of the Holy Spirit, because of God's love for us. Let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with that love for others, to send us out in power. Would you pray with me? God, while we were far from you, you came close to us. You gave up all of yourself to death and to suffering so that you could give all of yourself to us through resurrection. And we are so grateful for your grace and for your love. Do you fill us now with your Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, now and fill this church, fill Emmanuel with your presence, with the power of your Holy Spirit to love our neighbors and our family members, to love those who are far from you, who have never experienced your love. Fill this place with a fresh wind to move us out, with a fresh fire and burning passion to align our hearts with your heart. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would fill... um, fill I just, I, as I've been praying, I just had a sense that there are some of you that the, the Holy Spirit wants to give you gifts you've never had before. Gifts you don't even know you have yet. But that He desires to give you so that you can build up this church and build up those who are far from God. The Holy Spirit just wants to pour out so much more to expand our vision of what He wants to do. His heart is so big. He wants our hearts to expand So, Lord, even now, just by your Holy Spirit, pour out gifts. Pour out gifts on your church. Pour out the power to show your love and to show your resurrection in our lives and in our community. 
Come, Holy Spirit, we can't do this. It's nothing we can do, but it's something you can do through us. Thank you, Lord. We give ourselves to you and to your mission. Teach us how to witness to your mighty work in this world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand with me as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.